0: Have won it, and let's
1: fresh Art final dot com
2: sounds good sounds good sounds sounds so professional unlike us
1: okay. Exactly, right? This could be the worst podcast of all time, but hey, that's what you get when you're distracted by starting a brand new website. FiveStripeFinal.com, go ahead and check it out. We've uh, migrated from our former home over on Patreon. We are at a brand new website with a brand new kind of vibe, kind of general feel because we've added a whole bunch of written content and we've added a new member, Rob Ushry from uh, Dirty South Soccer, the founder of Dirty South Soccer, has joined us over at Five Stripe Final. Uh, we are doing day-to-day coverage of Atlanta United. Take all of the best parts of what you loved about DSS and what you love maybe potentially about the thestriker.com, rest in peace, and what you have loved about what we have done on the Patreon over the past, God, like three, four years, and what we've done with the podcast over the past, I don't know, seven years. Yeah. And it's all right there for you. It's all right there, Uh, $7 a month to get everything, 10% of that, uh, of the profit going to soccer. And the streets, really stoked about that. We've had a great response so far, Joe Patrick. We already have more folks hanging on than uh, we did ever, I think, for just the the podcast itself. So people saw Rob, got really excited. Um, That's right.
2: Rob drives the the, uh, interest and attraction of the people. But honestly, it's been... (laughs) Amazing, just to hear some of the things that people are saying on Twitter too. It's it, like it, it's it's humbling, and I and I'm sure I speak for you and Rob as well. Just really, do, I can't appreciate everybody enough for just the nice things that they've had to say um, about us and and what we do and what we're going to try and do with this website. So it's really exciting. Been a great start, great start, for great first couple of days here
3: yeah
1: it's been excellent it's been excellent we also speaking of twitter we have a new social handle uh it's the same social handle we just switched accounts uh you'll notice we have a lot more followers now um that's because essentially we've taken uh what was the dss account and switched it over to this uh as far as the future of dss goes look uh ask box media about that that that's all i'll really say um for now though you can check out us of course at com. you can also follow uh scarves and spikes as well
2: yeah and I wanted to say about about dirty south soccer um I know I really appreciate my time there. I stepped down last fall, late summer, early fall um because you know things were happening <laughs> I think we, uh, we kind of had a feeling that this was something that. You know, was more kind of near and dear to our hearts at that point in time, especially after all the cuts that happened at SB Nation, which was, you know, really sad to see. I understand it because it's just the the financial landscape of the media nowadays. And for people like us, we have to be driven by, um, you know just people subscribing, people paying for the journalism that we're able to provide. And I'm not saying when I say journalism, it's not like we're doing, you know, groundbreaking stuff here, but I do like to think that we we are able to keep people in the loop and in the know of what is actually going on. Our goal is always to just try to explain what is happening with this soccer team and uh, which is obviously of great interest to a lot of people. So um, I really, really appreciate everybody who has subscribed. I have heard, you know, you know, I wish it was free. Why do I have to pay? Listen, I wish it was free, too. Like, I wish we could do all this stuff and it would be free to everybody. Nothing would make me happier. We and I'm sure I speak for you, too, Sam, like we want as many eyeballs on our stuff as possible. But ultimately, yeah. we have to create a product that, you know, can pay our bills. And so this is the only way we can do that we can't do it with ads um, people like to think you oh if you just aver- if you just make it ad you know m- make your website put ads on it then you'll get money you really don't i mean you don't get n- hardly anything basically because who's going to have more of an interest in the kind of content that we're going to provide an advertiser or you guys, people who have a genuine interest in the subjects that we cover. So um I just want to say that. I, I I hate that we have to put price on it, but I also think that it actually will ultimately really improve the quality of what we do.
1: And yeah, well look, we're we're also taking it and trying to do a, a little bit of give back with it as well. Um again, taking 10% and we're gonna give it to, to soccer in the streets. And you know, we're we're not going to just suddenly become like these incredibly rich like oil baron of blogging tycoons like it's it's not exactly what's going on here we're basically taking a lot of really good things that we were already doing on patreon and and putting them in a new format right so we have a couple of intro pieces and an intro podcast on the website you guys can check out for free to get a better idea of what's going on here we also have a ton of stuff already up there right Uh, a whole bunch of articles we have a big old season preview article coming, uh, probably maybe come out right even before uh, this whole podcast released, right? Uh, but I bet you are kind of wondering like, hey, what's going on with the podcast itself? It's same as it ever was, right? The The main show will go out on our feed to everyone who has a, a podcast app, right? A way to listen to podcast. What will happen though is we'll continue to do what we were doing last year, which is take the back half of our shows, the Q&A section, and put that on uh the, the website for our subscribers to to listen to and, and to ask questions for as well on the world famous five stripe final discord mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. can i say cool. one more
2: thing i've just about <laughs> after i said <laughs> that we're all cool uh i allow it did just want to um give a shout out to scarves and spikes as well uh those guys over there they'll kind mm-hmm. of it sounds like they'll be you know focusing a lot on on their project as well um and i think it's great it's a Um, really kind of interactive with fans. And I just specifically wanted everybody to know that um, you should definitely follow them because after games, they will be doing the spaces that they used to host on dirty South soccer. Now they'll be hosting that at scars and spikes. Uh, I believe that it's at scars and spikes uh, on their Twitter account. So make sure you listen, check them out. And also thank you to lucid FC, who's been a great partner for the show for, Mm -hmm. Man, so many years. Um, just really great. They've got a whole like a new crazy
1: amount of years. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah it's wild. <laughs> like, I, it surprises <laughs> me every time <laughs> that the they want to keep things going. And I think we'll have a lot more and store um in terms of things that we might be doing with them this year that i'm really looking forward to um and in the meantime you can check out their website at lucidfc.us they've got um a whole new kind of spring lineup going on they've got a lot of stuff from you know last year that's so cool they've got these kind of like uh uh, what they call like a retro football shirt um and so yeah all kinds of good stuff on there go check them out they support us a ton and if you like any of the kind of european inspired uh streetwear then i'm sure you'll like the stuff that they put out as well
1: I want to add one more thing while we're still kind of like <laughs> navel gazing uh-huh. and talking about uh, the general state of the the Atlanta United like blogosphere. But I, I just want to add that I'm really really glad that that scarves and spikes is kind of taking uh, essentially what DSS was, yeah. which was always kind of a entry point for for new folks, mm-hmm. right? For folks like me who were just coming out of school and were just looking to cover the team in any way possible, right? Uh, to, to kind of have that outlet for folks who um want to cover the team and want to kind of get uh their their start and covering mls um i'm really glad that is still there potentially uh, for them to add new riders as things going on and of course they're going to keep doing um some solid coverage as well they're still they're still hanging out with us too on the atlanta soccer podcast network so their That's stuff right. will uh continue to be in this feed as well um so yeah uh, i'm glad it's there i'm glad it's there jeff patrick i'm glad we're here i'm glad we started a website in a year where it seems that atlanta united is going to be, I think, I feel extremely confident saying a lot of this, is going to be as good as they've been in a real, real long time. I agree. It's kind of the perfect time.
2: I agree. And I actually have a column out this morning on 5stripefinal.com just kind of talking about this, talking about uh, the fact that they are a talented team and therefore expectations should be, I think, at a certain level, And with you know, when you talk about Gonzalo Pineda, like he's going in to hit the last year of his contract. I think there will be consequences, you know, for good or bad performances and a good or bad result to the season over the course of it. So I think that's exciting. You know, it's exciting when you feel like what you're watching actually matters and it's not kind of part of this rebuild. I'm sure every sports fan, if you have followed the NFL or if you're a fan of a college football team, you kind of know when you're in a cycle and you're just kind of waiting on the good times to come or when you're kind of in the times where it feels like performance is really really paramount and that's it's it's exciting for it to feel like that again for atlanta united because it feels like for a long time um because of many for many reasons this team just was not in that kind of state where you expected them to actually challenge for a championship
1: i'm gonna say this a lot kind of at the start of the season but it feels like there's an urgency to everything going on and we talked about this with um new uh, defensive midfielder dax mccarty you'll you'll hear from that in just a moment but we it feels like when you're out at training that there is not only a different quality on the ball, but a different sense of purpose to everything that happens within training because the talent is so much higher. The level is so much higher. And that's extremely exciting because you know this year kind of sets up nicely for Atlanta United to, to especially get off to an early start as a lot of other Eastern Conference teams deal with CONCACAF Champions Cup and things like that. It could be one of those years where Atlanta is racing to the finish line for all 34 regular season games. And, you know, we haven't had that since the 2018 supporter shield chase. You know, Uh, it could feel a lot like that for a lot of different reasons, including some of the new players that have been brought in this offseason. I want to start with the newest center back for Atlanta United. I want to start with Steele Gregerson. A Norwegian center back comes in from Bordeaux. Yes, another league does signing because that's just where Atlanta United gets all their signings at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they say it's not intentional. They say it's an accident, <laughs> right, right. but but clearly there is a uh, a bit of a market inefficiency here that Atlanta United has kind of figured out how to at least find value in, right? At least find the players who might fit within this team. And Gregerson seems like an immediate fit. He fits some of our criteria. We've talked about success in a couple of different countries. He's 28, prime age player. And his numbers in league Deux and elsewhere, right? Phenomenal. Really, really phenomenal. And then you see him on the field and you realize, okay, he's kind of the biggest body out there. He also might be the, the fastest. fastest. Right, yeah. He, that's exactly what I was going to say. He can fly. Yeah, yeah.
2: It takes him One a like He's got
1: to get the like go-go gadget legs uh-huh. going. But once he does, it's very, it's very almost Marshall Van Dyke in some sense of like, okay, like the top speed here is, is something he seems comfortable on the ball. His defensive numbers were outstanding for Bordeaux. And I feel Joe, I'm going to say, I feel confident. This is an upgrade on, on 2023
2: 20, miles Robinson. Yeah, I, I, well, uh, I, I, I won't go there yet. I just haven't seen him play, but I will <laughs> Not say, <laughs> because yeah. I mean, I yes, want to respect, thank you for I want to respect Miles Robinson's tally. I mean, he's he's been a fantastic center back for the team for a long time, but they're definitely different players. Like they're definitely different. And I think it's intriguing what you're, what we're seeing this preseason from Steon, which is a player who's very willing to move himself up the field, like move his body into the attacking half. Um, just really kind of impose himself on the opponent that way and then the other thing is just defensively and this is more from watching some of his highlights in Ligue 2 but the way he you know puts his body on the line is is very willing to like you know sl- slide tackle like go to ground to block shots like that doesn't to me feel like the kind of game that Miles Robinson played Miles seemed like he played a lot in the game a lot on his feet he in fact his balance is incredible he hardly ever came off, but he wasn't kind of throwing himself around in front of defenders to make stops and things like that. And it seems like Gregerson is a guy who can do that. And that's going to come in handy when he's having to sprint back into space and try to defend it on his own. You know, Miles was so good at kind of standing guys up. Steon might have a little bit of a different approach to it where he's able to kind of put his body in the way and just has a really you know good understanding of how to use those those very, very long legs that he's got attached to his pelvis.
1: The way he kind of phrased it today at media availability was i'm not scared of the space behind me and i really like that mm-hmm. it, it was it was it was it was musical right like I, I really enjoyed hearing that and you know it fits very well into uh, what gonzalo panetta is going to ask of this team i think uh in addition to the space behind him in front of him he's also going to have a little more help than miles had because Mateo setu is no longer the starting number six mm-hmm. for atlanta united that's going to be bartosz from like Warsaw uh, again another player with success in a couple of places maybe not quite a prime age player a little younger than that but something that Garth has said a couple of times and what I've heard from a couple of folks is DP light a light DP mm-hmm. that's what we've got here with Bartosz and he seems to to fit a lot of the boxes that we've been kind of asking for from a number six a, a second number eight a ball winning number eight whatever you want to call him right now we'll see how he fits in
2: yeah, and I think that if you're looking toward an Atlanta United team that concedes many fewer goals this coming season, I think Bartosz Slish is going to be the biggest reason why. Obviously, Steon Gregerson as a center back is going to you know have a have a bit to play in that. Of course, the goalkeeper has maybe you know would you would think would have the most responsibility, but I really think that if Slish can you know solidify that central midfield area, then the shots coming in on goal are going to be more predictable. Um, we've seen that at times, like Braguzan has had some of his better seasons when the midfield has been more solid and he's just better able to anticipate when and where the shots are going to come from, get his feet set and actually um, have better technique in between the sticks, because when you those things are unpredictable, you're not going to be as settled in that position. So I think Sleash is is. Um, a, a really important signing for this team that can hopefully, again, give them a lot of stability. I always think about it like chess. It's like in, in chess, the principle is to control the middle of the board, control those middle four squares. And that's what you want to get out of this midfield tandem with him and Mayumba.
1: For me, he's the key to pretty much all of it. Mm-hmm. If he hits, it becomes easier for everyone to be successful. It becomes easier for, for Tristan to get involved. And the attack, it becomes easier for Thiago Amada to to stay forward. It becomes easier for folks like Steon Gregerson to, to be more comfortable and to have more protection at the back. There, there were so many times over the last few years where the center backs and the back line as a whole got no help because whoever was in that double pivot wasn't tracking back, just not coming back and making the defensive effort or maybe too hesitant or maybe just I don't know. There's a there's a clip I need to send you of Matteo Sassetu guarding absolutely no one in, in like the span of about 30 seconds right. that leads to a goal for Cincinnati. It's pretty incredible, right? Yeah, yeah. It, there's so, so many things that that could be corrected just by solidifying the midfield, which I think Atlanta United has potentially done here. Um, he has a big frame. He's not necessarily a destroyer. I, I wouldn't describe him as that, but he does win the ball consistently is effective when he tries to win the ball he also progresses the ball a lot Mm -hmm. we we don't have a ton of numbers on him yet uh, but what we do have suggests a player that is is looking forward looking to progress the ball maybe a lot more willing to take risk yeah
2: yeah i would just consider him like a, a holding midfielder you know he's going to hold his position players he's kind of one of those uh you know you hear it talked about a lot with a a center forward as being kind of a a reference point for the other attacking players I almost see it similarly with Schleisch in the midfield where it's like he's a reference point for a lot of these other players who can work around him whether that's you know players like Brooks Lennon and Caleb Wiley uh you Figuring out all these cool spaces they get into where we we saw them really progress in that aspect last season. Or Mayumba, who obviously you want to kind of free him up creatively as well because you feel like he can do a lot to help you put your foot on a game. And, and Schlie's, you know, just the role that he plays in terms of just controlling everything, keeping everything um, just not helter-skelter. And uh, that will be a huge impact for the team. I just feel like he's more... Like steeped in where you know where he comes from, the kind of this European style is kind of more steeped in this kind of tactical nuance where I don't feel like uh, um, um, Mateus Rosetto really ever had that in his game. You could even see it when Atlanta United signed him and some of the highlights that they were showing was he, it's just chaos running all over the field. <laughs> and the Brazilian game is just so incredibly wide open. Um, I think that this signing obviously makes a lot of sense and he'll be uh, pretty significant upgrade and it should be said I don't think that Mateus Rosetto was ever like supposed to be a holding midfielder but he kind of got thrown (laughs) into having to do that because of the way that the team ended up getting constructed
1: very true very very true Uh, but look it should be a defense that's more balanced as as a whole it's more well-rounded more effective at keeping high probability chances from occurring and that should help out whoever Is in goal and right now we are sitting here on February 20th and we're not 1000% sure who the starting keeper will be And, and that's because Atlanta United brought in Josh Cohen. This offseason, Josh uh, has been connected with the United for a long time. He actually told me he was supposed to come in during that 2022 injury crisis that saw oh, really? uh, Rocco Rios Novo mm-hmm. and Rocco Dino come in. Uh, but guess what? He got injured. Mm. So the bad vibes from that 2022 team somehow extended <laughs> all the way to Israel, which is really impressive. Yeah. That team continued to be like a, a whole ass mentor of a team. But he comes in now and he has a decent track record right there were moments at, with Haifa where he really really shined he won the 2020 through 2021 season player of the year award at Haifa for the Israeli Premier League uh like the whole league they're not just for Haifa uh they won three straight titles he even helped them get to the actual group stage of the Champions League where they admittedly got thumped a whole lot by Paris Saint-Germain and Benfica and, and Juventus once but they got Juventus they got, <laughs> got one at one point Yeah. They got a, a two-nothing win, a clean sheet for Cohen. He has five saves, including a pretty incredible one. Um, there's a decent track record here. He's clearly been brought in to compete with Guzan. Uh, and I don't think we have to rehash that the numbers on Brad last year. We did that enough. There is a, a pretty convincing argument that Cohen could could be an upgrade on Guzan. That being said, Joe, I I think Guzan starts on Saturday, do
2: you? So it's funny. Um, what was the last preseason game that I watched? I think it was against Tampa Bay, can't remember which one. I almost fired off a tweet that was like Josh Cohen's the starter day one immediately because he was starting all these games. You know, I think Co- I think Guzan started the first preseason game and then Cohen started the others. Um, then I thought twice about that and I thought maybe that's uh, Going a bridge too far, but I'm sure we, we can debate it later. I think somebody asked, had a question about it um, in the Q&A section, which will be for, uh, for our subscribers. on uh, I almost said on Patreon on 5 com. But you know what's the most shocking thing to me about Josh Cohen? That he's 31 years old. Because he sounds and looks like he's like 24. (laughs) Um, But he's been around doing it for a while. And that's 31. That's great because that's like prime age for a goalkeeper. That's like just coming into your Mm -hmm. prime right there. So and I think just from watching him, you know, what really impresses me about him the most or where I think he's going to add to Atlanta United the most is actually not necessarily the stop the shot stopping just because I didn't really get to see as much of him doing that in preseason, going against some of these teams that Atlanta was going against. But it was the feel for when to keep the tempo or when to slow things down and the way he was distributing the ball, which was just like throws and rolls and things like that. But I just thought he had like some nice touch on some of those distributions. And just it was just overall, he, I just thought he had a good feel for you know where the team needed him to go with the ball in some of those moments that gave them some fluidity to their game.
1: I have a feature up on Josh Cohen. If you want to know more about him, again, that's at 5stripefinal.com. And I do kind of want to point out, too, that you know, the the main thing here, and Garth Lockaway said as much in our interview with him on 5stripefinal.com, is, is finding someone who can stop shots consistently. Like, start there, figure out the rest later. And so, I mean, it's good that, that Cohen did have some decent moments uh, in distribution, but the main thing is finding someone who can stop shots. If that's Cohen, great. If that's Guzan, who, you know, has... Yeah, I've seen some folks say he slimmed down. You know, maybe try to get a little spring year uh, after a a tough first year coming back from an Achilles tear, right? If he is sharper this year, uh, you know, maybe it necessarily wouldn't be all that surprising. It could happen, right? But the main thing is someone has to stop shots, and it's a weird place for Gonzalo Pineda to be because Gazan still is the the team captain. Mm -hmm. You know, and you kind of have to play the game of like, okay, do I really? You know, put the team captain on the bench for the first few games. Like, uh, I, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. At the same time, Consolidated uh, is in the last year of his contract. Yeah. You know, he, yep. he's got to, he's got to perform this year. I mean, which means the team has to perform, you know? So, uh, a lot of curious things kind of moving all at once there. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Joe Patrick, one new addition that we haven't touched on yet Dax McCarty. Joins the team. Dax uh, had a really solid season for Nashville last year. Really kind of helped them on their way to Leagues Cup as he was playing at the base of what they were basically calling a four-four-two diamond at that point. Did an excellent job. He's you know one of the most experienced MLS players uh, ever. He kind of fills a, a gap there in veteran leadership in the middle of the field. And we got to talk to him for just a moment on FiveStraightFinal.com. It's time to rock and roll been like in training it feels like i it seems like there's just maybe not urgency but it feels different just watching it maybe that's me just confirming my own kind of biases with how i think this team can play and what their ceiling say, might be but it seems i would good. say
3: you're spot on there's been a lot of urgency in training mm-hmm. um there's been a lot of, of of high level uh you know tactical stuff going on and, and and the players trying to implement that at a high level and look it's it, it's easy to say, right, and it's it's maybe cliche to say, but, like, y- you really do need to train how you're going to play in the games. If, if you don't train, like, like a game-like environment, then when the games come around, you're just not going to be ready to play. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned this to you guys before. One thing I like that Gonzalo has done is he's emphasized results in preseason and, and wanting them to matter. You know, some coaches, a lot of coaches, they'll say, the result doesn't really matter. I want the process to go well. I want to see the things we've been working on in training, and you know, it's no disrespect, but it's a lot of coach speak, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that Gonzalo has actually come out and told us, of course, I want, I want to see improvement. I want to see certain tactical things that we're trying to implement, but I want to win. <laughs> like you create good habits in training and in preseason that then translate to the regular season, and for me, that's that's a great message. That's a great message for all of us to be able to take uh, and to be able to go into training every day knowing that uh, this is a deep roster, and if you want to stay on the field and if you want to play, uh, you're going to have to stay and in, in play at a high level for, for the majority of, of your time on the field. So that's been a great message for me, and that's probably why you, know, you can tell in training there might be a different, different bounce and a different vibe and a different feel maybe than in years past. You know, I can't mm-hmm. speak to that, but um, you know, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm.
1: Joe Dax is, is coming for our jobs.
3: He's awesome. He's great. It it feels so nice to
2: have a player on this team who just just talks <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> that sounds bad. That sounds bad. But um you can tell he's just confident enough. He's done this thing long enough. And by this thing, I mean the podcasting game <laughs> where, uh, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. But, like, yeah, he he's just been here, done that, and and is totally confident in his own skin and happy to, you know, share whatever's on the top of his mind, which is just awesome for people like us.
1: Yeah, and you guys are not going to believe this, but Dax knows ball. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, like, he, like, genuinely knows MLS, too, which, I mean, like, it's, it's totally fine if you're a professional athlete to not follow every single team, right, because you're playing in the games. So you're not going to go watch the other games unless it's like you're prepping for film work or something like that but he he seems to really really follow the league has a good understanding of it he, he's definitely got a future in whatever he wants to do post soccer whether that's coaching or being a pundit or whatever right so i appreciate dax coming on uh, and joe i think in general these moves all feel like the exact moves that lane united needed to to solidify everything in the back
2: yeah i mean i think clearly if you look at all the moves there's like one driving um, problem that they're trying to solve behind all of them, which is the fact that this team gave up more goals than anybody, any team that made the playoffs last year. I think they were the second, they gave up the second most goals in the Eastern conference. It was just, it was clearly a problem for them. And it's one of those things where, again, if you listen to Garth talk, he's like, we have a clear problem. We have, we're addressing it with our, Proposed solutions are intended solutions and you know you hope that that works out and I think that um, a player like Dax helps solve that in a couple ways like you're you're kind of approaching it from a couple angles he's obviously going to give you some solidity with what he does as a player whether you're bringing him on late in the game as a sub or if he's starting because you have to rotate a piece or you have an injury or something like that he's going to do a solid job for you he's proven that he's still playing at that level where he can provide those quality performances Um, but he's also going to kind of be there in the training every single day pushing these players to get better giving them the kind of mentorship that they need and I think that when we talk about mentorship it's not like you know he's like a counselor and he's you know asking them these deep probing questions about their life and you know (laughs) what are your priorities it's not necessarily that he's just showing these guys especially the young players you know how to go about your your profession day to day. How to get yourself prepared. How to how to train properly. And I think that all these things are just going to help the team both in the in the short term and the long term. Frankly.
1: So uh, we need to mention one more person as well because they might be starting on Saturday. It, it kind of seems almost probable at this point. Derek Williams, uh, a kind of journeyman center back comes into Lady united and has looked aggressive at the very least in the back line through preseason has been effective and you know there are genuine questions asked about louisa brahm and his impact on the game it, it seems relatively minimal at times uh, then again you look at some of his percentages of you know uh, percentage of dribblers tackled percentage of aerial duels won, and they're fine they're fine his passing numbers are fine. There's a lot of fine <laughs> mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. but I, I do wonder if if Derek Williams has maybe played his way into a spot by simply just being more proactive in, in his defending. Something just to keep an eye on there. In general, Atlanta is going to have to be a lot more proactive in a lot of things defensively because they were bad. Joe, you kind of touched on it with the goals allowed, but I want to touch on some underlying numbers as well because uh it's a really fun way to, to throw a wet blanket on a lot of the optimism <laughs> we're gonna get to the optimism i think we've kind of been like on the optimism oh, yeah. train we've so far right okay. but i i do want to talk we're about something yeah 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 it's five-star final right we we couldn't just like breeze our way through this <laughs> um keep in mind while i say all of this i picked at united to finish first in the east but I have some concerns. In particular, we think of last year, Joe, as a tale of two halves of the season, right? You have the post-summer window, post-Leagues Cup uh, stretch where Atlanta United looks like one of the better teams in the league. You know they they earn 1.6 points per game. They're going up against a lot of extremely stiff competition. They're going on the road and winning at places like Seattle, right? They're they're taking Sensi to the wire at home. They're doing a lot of really good and encouraging things. That they, they beat Columbus at home in that playoff game. Really thumped Columbus yeah. at home in that playoff game. Uh, but you know, not everything was perfect. And there are some issues with the underlying numbers that make you okay well i'm not quite sure what happened here but i'm a little little worried about it before the summer window joe patrick at lane united per american secular analysis averaging about 1.39 expected points per game that's pretty middle of the road expected points is exactly what it sounds like it takes your underlying numbers and basically assigns results to them right so on average this is how much you'd be expected to earn per game Based on your underlying numbers, your chance creation, your chances allowed. Okay? Mm -hmm. After that summer window, the team's points per game, just actual points per game, jumped from 1.46 to 1.60. Pretty big jump. That's kind of the difference between like a a decent season and a home playoff spot kind of season. Mm -hmm. The expected points, however, dropped. Interesting. Significantly. Interesting. 1.39 expected points per game before then to 1.17 expected points per game. That is not good. Uh the defense got worse. The defense got worse. They went from 1.18 XG allowed per game, which was not good, to 1.88 XG allowed per game over the last 10 games. The only team worse in that stretch of games was Toronto. Mm-hmm. Just gonna let that sit yeah, there. Yeah, that's
2: great. I mean, that that's honestly that's really. Good to know when you say it. And I don't know if it's like confirmation bias, but like it, it does kind of check out with what my memory of the way that last season ended, which was kind of on a down note. Like I thought I thought that um, they were obviously super improved. It, it, and when I say improved, I'm mainly just talking about just eyeball tests, you know, where they more fun to watch, that kind of thing. And they were so much better, obviously, when you add Tristan Miumba <laughs> into the team. Him, he, in particular, I think, <laughs> changed his things more than anybody else. But it, you know, But when I think about the end of that season, it does strike me as a team that was maybe running out of ideas a little bit or kind of running out of steam. And I remember being worried about that final playoff game that they had at home. I was kind of worried that it was going to be a major downer because they might – Get beaten there, you know, You end your season in your own building. Um, Obviously, we knew that the Columbus crew were a really good team that would be able to do that. And uh, maybe that big win that they had that night kind of, you know, washes some of those legitimate concerns out of our memories a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, it's entirely possible. Entirely possible. The way I've been kind of framing it in my head is you have this race car that has a restrictor plate on it and it can't really steer and then you just took the restrictor plate off mm. and it still can't steer. So it's going faster. <laughs> right, right. Right. But also it's still just kind of like slamming into the wall at a higher speed yeah, too. Yeah. You know, it, it's just one of those things where they weren't able to maintain control, especially when the game got faster, when the game got stretched more often, they weren't able to kind of maintain what you call it, Joe, the, the kind of control in the center of the board, the, the chess tactic, right? They weren't able to have that, you know? And so that's, that's the hope for this year is that Stian and, and Bartok and all these guys come in and help Atlanta understand how to gain control of games while also having a hell of an attack. The underlying numbers for for Saba, for Gigi, for Almada, for even Shande. Incredible, man. This is, besides Miami, you know, this is the best attack in the league on paper. It, it straight up is. I'm, They've just got to figure out the rest yeah, of
2: it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you this, Sam. Have, have you read Toyota Football's last post that he did on kind of randomness and risk? I don't appetite? even know what that is. <laughs> well, get ready because I think we're going to have him on the show at some point <laughs> um, here coming up. But
1: Yeah, no, I, I saw a little bit of it. Um, I, I did read it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember most of it. Well, let me just – uh, I'll lay yeah. it out this way. like yeah. A lot of
2: what he talks about in that post was um, a lot of of – soccer and when you're talking about management like managing the team um, as far as their on-field performance goes a a lot of it comes down to like risk appetite and do you want there to be a lot of risk do you want there to be a lot of volatility to the results or do you not want there to to be that I think the best teams in the world are able to kind of dial that up and down um, at their will pretty much like When Man City needs to go for it, when Liverpool needs to go for it, they can go for it. And if they get it, then they can just turn it off immediately and just reduce the amount of crazy randomness that might happen. Um, And I do wonder if Atlanta United during that time when they got those players in part of the thing, something that came with that and that style of play, they started the way they started playing was it. It opened up. It opened up the dial, the, the aperture almost on how much kind of volatility and randomness you were. Allowing into the game and that certainly helped them on the offensive end, but it obviously leaves you more exposed if you're not solid in those positions and it kind of brings us back to like Mateus Rizzetto. It puts a lot of pressure on a player like that who's, you know, kind of playing out of position um, and leaves them quite vulnerable and exposed. We'll we'll talk more about this kind of concept because it's really interesting to me uh, in, in that kind of nerdy way um, with Toyota football at some point here in the future
1: absolutely it makes sense and you know when gonzalo came in we kind of thought that this was going to be that what you're talking about when you're talking about going from chaos to control was going to be more of the game model and i think it was intended to be right i think it has been intended to be it's just having the personnel to execute on it as always Mm -hmm. like with anything you know um so if they can kind of go through some like uh, essentially, just periodization of like, okay, fifteen minutes on, fifteen minutes off. You know, understanding game situations, not giving up stupid penalties from headers, which are from throw-ins, which they apparently did against Sporting Kansas City in their last preseason game. Things like that, just not shutting off all, all these little things that they know they should do. It, it's going to be a lot better, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a lot better. And
2: to to kind of go, I just like I think Tata Martino's Atlanta United teams played with this like really volatile style that allowed them to score a lot of goals and the reason that team was successful is because you had a set of players in that 11 or that were usually on the field that were that also kind of enjoyed that style of game like an lgp a michael parkhurst like these were the kinds of players that allowed you to play in a certain way that um counterbalance some of that openness. And um, I think that when you look at a player like Stian Gregerson, for example, I think that he's a player that fits into that kind of model where he, like you said, is not scared of the space behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, at least I, I, I hope that that's kind of the idea um, that Atlanta United is playing with, with some of these player acquisitions this off season.
1: Yeah, I mean, even Parky always talked about just living on an island as a center back in Tata system. You know, you you had to get used to it. You had to get used to living on the edge. And I think that's still going to be the large majority of the game model, but hopefully it's a little more, a little more constructed when it comes Mm -hmm. to things like the counter press. Again, the counter press has been so ineffective for the majority of Pineda's time here. It feels like that, you know, just even a slight improvement would feel very, very refreshing. And I'm sure it's been a focus this preseason to make that more effective. So all all these things kind of blending together, they're gonna take all of my worries about last year's underlying numbers and hopefully dismiss them pretty quickly. Hopefully, anyway, they're still gonna allow chances. It is what yeah, it is, Yeah, of course. But hopefully, it's more of it in a like a uh, oh Columbus kind of way, you know. Like maybe we we'll, maybe allow we'll a couple goals, but we're also gonna score five or six. You know, not too bad, right? So that's the nerdy thoughts. Let's dig into some of the tactics behind this team. I think it's going to be exactly what you expect for the most right, part. Yeah, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's I mean, there's not a lot of major change. I don't think with we know Gonzalo Pineda's game model generally. I don't think that that's going to change drastically. I think that the hope is that you just acquire players that are going to better be able to fit that game model. And um, the results, therefore, will improve. But I think the most interesting kind of if we want to talk about any kind of little wrinkle, because, listen, this team is going to play with a really you know solid goal scoring number nine in Gigi, uh, like the ideal kind of playmaker that you want behind that kind of player in Tiago Mata. Pretty traditional wingers on the sides with Jande and Saba. Saba's going to get a little bit, probably more up and down the line as that right-footed player. Shonda going to cut in a little bit, but you know we expect that nowadays from wingers. Um, like we've talked about, you got the two in the middle with with Tristan William and and Bartek Schliech. I find the most interesting players in this team to be Caleb Wiley and Brooks Lennon. And you did a great job writing about this this week with Brooks Lennon. And I think that just in general uh soccer around the world at the at some of the highest levels you're starting to see fullbacks do a lot more interesting things for a long time during the kind of um early two, 2010s that really went really all through the last, the previous decade the, the fullbacks almost became like wingers. And that was just the way that the game was played. You had the in, the wingers kind of tucking in a lot more. And now you're seeing a lot more managers playing with their wingers out wide, which is seems to be like what Gonzalo Pineda wants. He's talked about want, liking natural, having his wingers on their natural sides. And these fullbacks are taking up some really interesting spaces. Sometimes they take up a space more at the kind of base of defense, like almost next to the holding midfielder with Schleish. Sometimes they're getting further forward into... Um, like the half spaces and the attack. And I think that both of these fullbacks that Atlanta United has are just such talented players with really you know unique athletic gifts. Uh, I, I think it gives them a really big advantage over a lot of MLS teams who I think really kind of don't really prioritize those particular positions. Usually on a lot of MLS teams, their worst players are going to be the fullbacks
1: i'm glad you bring that up because i want to talk about brooks in particular uh matt doyle used a really good way to describe kind of his previous years as a fullback he called him a very linear fullback mm-hmm. just up and down they're really kind of staying in that one lane the entire time i talked to brooks about inverting a little more often you know and to provide some context to this like i, I profiled brooks as far as his defensive evolution goes on 5 dot com, but for those who don't know he was a winger his entire career going up he started in the the salt lake academy out in arizona uh went to liverpool as a winger like big liverpool like the shirt i'm wearing with the six time (laughs) champions of europe liverpool right went to the liverpool academy uh was a winger sometimes he was even a false nine while he was there and that was his whole makeup as a soccer player was an attacker right it you know he had to learn how to defend once he got to MLS and got switched to fullback and has really kind of steadily been learning how to defend ever since then uh but it, it's curious to kind of think about like okay he was at liverpool and you know sometimes the fullback behind him was trent alexander arnold you know playing in the same academy games And right about some of the same time that Trent Alexander-Arnold began to tuck in the midfield for Liverpool as an inverted fullback, Lennon started to do some of the same things. And what he said that did, in addition to providing an overload in midfield, right? Like the whole point is you get extra numbers, defense has to adjust, uh, makes it easier and build up in theory, right? But what it also does is it shortens the path that Lennon has to cover defensively. Mm. Mm-hmm. you know makes sense so he says I, like I'm getting up and down but if I am kind of in midfield it's easier right uh, less ground to cover can give you more diagonal about it you can take better angles makes things better for you defensively yeah um, so that's a super interesting wrinkle to keep an eye on I'm curious if Brooks is going to continue to invert or if he's going to be maybe more vertical now that he has maybe more protection with Tristan and Bartok but what we do know Joe is that he is going to be forward in some capacity. It's either going to be a midfield or it's going to be up because what Atlanta has been doing in preseason is building out with three at the back in kind of an interesting way, if you want to look at it, right? It's been Steon, of course, is the, the furthest right center back. Uh, either Derek or Abram, and then Caleb Wiley has been dropping in to what's essentially a, a like a, a skewed back three mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is... One of the tactical kind of adjustments that Atlanta used some last year, but seems to be really focusing on this preseason. And I'm curious to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah. And I really like uh, the shape, the shape of this buildup, because in those kind of flanking, uh, quote unquote, like defender positions that you would say in that back three, you have players with a lot of speed in Steen Gregerson and Caleb Wiley and what that allows them to do is when there is some space if if, if opponents are not, you know, covering down like they should, which tends to happen frankly, uh, especially when you get later in games, players get a little bit tired, those players can take off and when they take off what they do is they kind of break that first link in the chain. And I think we've talked about it in the past where it's like so much of soccer, it's like you just got to make that first reaction from the opponent happen. That forces the opponent, you know, that forces somebody else to come and take up a space that maybe they're not technically supposed to in the tactical setup or in the game model that they have. And then that just forces a reaction. That creates another opening that then that player can pass to for an opening. Then that creates another kind of player that gets pulled out of position. And then before you know it, you've got a chance on your hands. So um, I really like the the kind of setup that they've got going on i i I don't think it necessarily means that caleb wiley is going to be like a more defensive player he might start in some more defensive areas he might he might not score as many goals i don't know but um i just generally like having i I like the way the personnel sets up and the way that they want to uh do this build up
1: big year for caleb in general a lot of high expectations for him as he continues to also learn the position essentially of course he was playing as a winger at the start of last year and dropped back after goutman got traded but uh, there's still a, a pretty steep learning curve for defenders especially as to learning the position and, and being effective at it, But Caleb continues to grow into his frame, continues to have an excellent physical skill set, has an uh, attitude about him when he plays, which is just so funny considering how quiet he was when he first started <laughs> talking to us <laughs> in the media and everything like that. Um, and has that has the dog in him, if you will. And obviously, uh, excellent speed of thought, excellent technical ability. It, it's a really big year for Caleb, especially in a year where he's probably going to be at the Olympics with uh the, the US team it, people are going to really take notice of Caleb Wiley this year I think and uh, you do kind of wonder if maybe this is our last year yep. with Caleb Wiley if if Atlanta lives up to the expectations that we've been talking about Caleb probably plays a pretty big part of that probably is in some kind of conversation for for young player of the year probably is in some kind of conversation for the top of the 2200 222 list like it, it's all there for Caleb which you know in turn means it's it's all there For Atlanta, really, really high expectations for this team, Joe, and we got to talk to Garth Loggway about those expectations on FiveStrikeFinal.com. It's time to rock and roll! Right now, Tiago Amata obviously still here, uh, despite obvious speculation that he might head out, and the roster seems set and probably in in a much better place than it was when you arrived last year. What's your general feeling on the team right now and have your expectations shifted in any way for this group? I know the plan last year was, was home playoffs. About, uh, is that the same goal this year?
0: Yeah, look, I, I think the goal is the same. But before we see that as a lack of ambition, let's let's look at the East for a second. Right. Um, you have Cincinnati, the Supporter Shield uh, winner, who added a player that some of our fans are familiar with, and, and Miles Robinson, and you know, arguably got better. Uh, Columbus, uh, who are the defending champions, you know, for me, probably the best run organization head-to-toe in the league uh, under Tim Bespachenko's leadership. So, I mean, you look at what they've achieved with their second team in terms of MLS Next Pro and the ascendancy of some of those players into their first team. um, They've really done some some really commendable work um, uh, led by Mark Nichols, among others. Uh, And uh, you add to them, Uh, Miami, who's, you know, depending on how you count it, spending 80 or $90 million uh, from a payroll perspective. So if you say finish top four, there's some pretty good teams in the East. You know, we haven't talked about Orlando or Philly or the teams that are New England or the teams that have had 70 points or, uh, you know, all those teams have had 60 points or more in the last two or three years and gone to MLS Cup Finals and all that stuff. So, you know, I think when you unpack it that way and you say, all right, you want to finish in the top four, in fact, that's quite ambitious, I think, uh, to say to say that. And I think you're looking at it too. And I think, you know, the, the East is better than the West right now. Doesn't doesn't mean the East team can win every year, but um, I do think it's a really difficult conference now uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, and I, you know, I think it's that makes it a really cool place to be because then now, like from a fan base perspective, you're going to see a lot of good soccer games this year in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, so do I think our team? I do think our team is better. You know, if you want to be really simple, we spent the winter when I got here basically just clearing out dead wood. Then in the summer, we started to fix the offense. And then in this window, we fixed the defense. Oversimplified, overgeneralized. There are exceptions to to all three uh, tenants there. But in a broad sense, we did. Uh, And so what I would say now is we have uh, an MLS plus starter. What I mean by plus starter is an average to above average or better (laughs) at every position. You, know, you every Atlanta United fan can write down a starting 11 and a four-two-three-one, one including our goalkeeping and say hey you know we we got better I think over the last uh 10 to 12 months let's call it um, are we there yet absolutely not you no know, are we optimized probably not um but we we now have not only do we have things in place but we've had them in place for an entire preseason we're in a we're in the beginning phase of a season where uh seven of our competitors are in Champions Cup Champions Cup. Unfortunately, we are not. But the upside of that is there's an opportunity for us where those teams are going to be distracted and maybe giving away some points because they have to rotate their lineup for the first three months of the season. We basically play once a week, um, and so that's a massive opportunity for us uh, to go out and get started. And again, having the group together for most of the preseason, um, you know. Anyway, th- there are structural positives here that make me uh, make us optimistic. Uh, about the start of the season specifically, but also about this season in general as we continue, we hope to ascend to where we hope, where we want to get, which is that consistently competing for championships. And, you know, the other goal we had, Sam, was to advance in League's Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some big, big tournaments this summer. Um, and certainly, you know, but we have two home games this year instead of one home game. So does that give us a better chance to advance to a, to a group stage? It does. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, I do think it probably that tournament will be impacted by the Olympics, um, you know, and, and do we lose a couple of players to the Olympics in impactful positions that could impact, you know, not whether or not we get to the round of 32. But, you know, if you're going to go all the way and win a final and stuff like that, if you're if you're not full strength, that's going to be a, it's just going to be a more difficult uh, challenge if that's the way it shakes out. And, you know, earlier in the summer, you know, the reason why I think the, the start is pretty important for us is that, in that copa america euros window uh, in that uh early june early mid june through uh early july you know you're talking about potentially missing half your team you know if you look at at that Sensaba, saba and uh and amada and Abram, you know not saying they're all going to make all their all those teams are going to make it but you know i think about you know the progress that mls is making again you started with the question are we better well I don't think we had five guys playing in the Euros and the Copas a year ago. Um, So that's a pretty good indicator when half of your starting lineup has the potential to be in the best tournament in the world this season. That's a good thing. Now, is that going to be hairy for us in the short term? Yeah, it it could be. Depends who makes it. Depends how long, all that stuff. Does Does somebody do a couple of them go Copa to Olympics? That gets problematic at that point, but. Um, you know, and, and again, we are going to look big picture and we are going to release for those tournaments just to get ahead of that. And, you know, that, that stuff is part of building the league and building Atlanta United long-term. Um, but, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll stop there, but, but I, I am optimistic. I am encouraged. I do think we're going the right direction.
1: Thanks Garth. Thanks Garth. We appreciate it, man. Sp-
2: speaking of, uh, great talkers love Garth, you know? kind of similar to Dax in this respect where he's just willing to just put it out there. He's not trying to, you don't, you don't feel like he's trying to like put key messages out there or something. Like you kind of got that feeling with Darren Eels at times where it's like he's trying to sell you on this or that Garth. It just seems like you're hanging out talking.
1: Yeah. There are no talking points necessarily. There are, you know, key insights and maybe some opinions that are are dampened just a little bit because that's the job. But Everything always mm-hmm. was genuine, and uh, you know that's part of course policy of of transparency being important for the league. And I think we're going to get some more clarity uh, very soon on just kind of the state of the roster, who is Tam, who has contracts coming up uh, to a close, and everything like that. So uh, Atlanta kind of leading the way, and that, and Atlanta potentially leading the way in the East this year. Joe Patrick, again, I picked them first. Uh, but there are a few caveats to talk about with that. Uh, I I picked them first for, one, I think they're going to be good. I think this is a very good team. I think this is an extremely talented team in attack. I think they have solved a lot of their defensive issues. I have no reason to doubt that the new signings will be ineffective. I I think they're going to fit. I think they're going to hit. I think it's all going to be an improved product. But you also have the fact that Atlanta doesn't have to worry about CONCACAF Champions Cup. And a whole lot of teams in the East who are contenders for the top spot in the East do. And, you know, that that's one extra competition we've seen in the past that that can help uh, teams who are not participating. You know, it, it can be one of those things where teams who are in that competition struggle at the start of the year and really start to have their depth tested, especially early in the season. If Atlanta can get out to a fast start, kind of get a lead on these guys, then, you know, there's the potential that we're looking at a really special year. That being said, there are a lot of Eastern Conference teams in the CONCACAF Champions Cup for a good reason. <laughs> East is real damn good, yeah, yeah, holy smokes, it's just a bloodbath. It's kind of incredible it's crazy honestly it may be <laughs> the best conference in MLs history by like a significant significant margin.
2: You look through the teams and it's like. Okay, first of all, Cincinnati, they were the Supporters shield winners last year. So you got to mm-hmm. figure they're going to be a formidable opponent. You got Columbus Crew, who won MLS Cup. They're going to be a formidable opponent. And Atlanta United, we've talked about them. Obviously good. Oh, yeah. Like, of course, you got the Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, uh, mm-hmm. Tata Martino Brigade in, in Miami. Um, and then it's like even past that, um, Orlando is going to be really, really good. Luis Muriel is a great signing for them. And then like New England, you like, OK, you're that far down in New England who have like arguably one of the best players in MLS and Carl's Gill. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you haven't even mentioned Philadelphia yet who gets. you Philode- know, Yeah,
2: Philadelphia, who's like always a machine,
1: you know, just because they can every year. Uh, right, right. And so like, much improved Red Bulls could be kind of incredible. With Red Bulls New are Florida dangerous. In. You know, uh, yeah. Montreal yeah. is getting back to playing a, a normal style of soccer again. I mean, that they could have some tactical whiplash, but that's a roster that's really well filled out right now. Uh, then you have Nashville. You know, <laughs> you mentioned gonna be Nashville. Solid.
2: It's going to be, <laughs> it's just going to be so tough to come out of this conference and it's not just for Atlanta. I mean, obviously it's going to be tough for Atlanta, but all these teams are, are facing the same situation. And so mm-hmm. It should be make for just a really tight race, I think. I, I don't think the Supporters' Shield winner is going to come from the Eastern Conference this year just because I think that these teams are going to beat up each other too much.
1: That was my exact pick. I picked Seattle to, to win the Supporters' Shield simply because... Mm. They just aren't going to have as much competition in the west and i think the east is going to mm-hmm. cannibalize itself a little bit mm-hmm. and you know that's not necessarily a bad thing for elite united in the grand scheme of things if they can take advantage of this early period where the rest of the folks are dealing with extra competitions you know um it's mm-hmm. a tough ask we, we never really know for sure what's going to happen with uh the rest of mls i mean the predictions are your prediction is as good as mine right like anyone can do this and maybe get lucky and be correct because MLS but right now it sure seems like Atlanta United is going to have to be at their best week over week and that's going to be really fun you're going to see a lot of really excellent soccer I think Um, the league continues to take a whole lot of steps forward but it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy even if I kind of think they're going to you know power through this first part and and maybe win the East could be possible yeah could be possible Was
2: it? I, I think was it Tony Miola who had Atlanta United finishing like something terrible like it was like 15th or something.
1: I mean, it's totally possible, right? I, I, I it, is, yeah,
2: it probably much. is possible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, 2022 happened. Like we were there. We saw, right. we saw what happened to a good team <laughs> right. yeah. uh, real quickly and it could happen to this team as well, but I do think this team will be healthy. I do think this team will be incredibly good. And you know, that's not only as a team wide level, that's obviously on an individual level as well. I, I expect your Akamaki's to be more involved week to week. Right, I expect them and, to be healthier. And,
2: yeah, and I think to your, to the point that you made about them having an opportunity in this these first few months of the season to take advantage of their schedule. Um, totally agree. Obviously, I actually I think it's really important for this team, as far as its kind of rel- relevancy goes, and like the enthusiasm goes for them to really take advantage there to be competing to be in one of those top spots. For the majority of the season, it's not one of those ones where you can kind of do what they've done some years, which is be super mediocre, and then you know you kind of hit a spurt toward the end of the year and you rise some places. I think it's important for this team and this year in particular to really kind of establish themselves as one of these teams that's going you know up near the top of the table, fighting for that you know top spot in the in the East, even if they don't get it. You know they've said that their goal is to be a top four team in the East, which I think is an appropriate goal. I, I think that, you know, if you want to win a championship, you have to have more manageable and achievable waypoints along the way. And I think that having a top four finish in the East is a is a good goal for this team to have, even if ultimately their goal is to, you know, win some silverware.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. It, it's going to be tough, but like you said, it's it's a positive feedback loop. You know, you, you start winning, you start having this big momentum at the start of the season, everyone's more invested again, and it goes from there. And I think there's a good chance we see that. Again, everything I've seen just kind of in training has suggested that there is an increased level of intensity and urgency to everything. That that could pay off early for this team. It really could. It really could. But that's just our opinion, Joe Patrick. We wanted to get an outside opinion. We brought in our friend Tommy Scoops. Not only help us preview the East you can listen to that in full on fivestripfinal.com, but also the share's opinion on a revamped Atlanta United side. Uh, but it would be a beautiful moment. It would be a moment almost as beautiful as Atlanta United lifting the supporter shield this year. It it kind of seems like there's a chance, Tom, like
4: is that the one that you value more or was that just your segue? No,
1: shield truthers are lying to themselves. I, I I think they're just trying to be contrarian about it, but it would be cool at the same time. Like, I'm not going to complain, right? Now I, hey, Matt. Um, but it seems like slightly more plausible than it has in a real long time in Atlanta. And I just wanted to get your outside perspective of what you think of this team going into the year.
4: Look, I this is one of my top teams in MLS. Literally the only thing keeping me from putting them on the same plane as LAFC, Cincy, Columbus, is that we don't know for sure if Thiago Almada will be here in October. In hmm. fact, we assume that he's not going to be. Um, if, if you could guarantee me, December 30th, he's still an Atlanta United player, technically. This is one of the favorites of cup this is one of the favorites for for sure contenders for shield sorry one of the um because there there are a couple ifs on this team in bartos and steon gregerson mm-hmm. but i th- i've spoken to enough people plus i've seen garth Lagerway have you know a deck uh, a dozen years of evidence that what does he hit on signings like 85 to 90 percent everybody misses mm-hmm. right but like i have pretty high faith in him that he's gonna do that right um and that these players are, are indeed going to be very good so the only question mark of this team is how long is Tiago Amada going to be here because they have the blend of top-end talent, elite talent, and Tiago Amada and Yorgos Yakamakis. I think Sion Gregerson is going to be an elite-level center back in this league. But again, that's an if. Fair enough. I think Bartosz Shalish is going to be somewhere in the upper echelon of defensive midfielders. Again, that's an if. He needs to prove it until you, know, you really take them like that. But they don't have any holes. And for the first time since 2018, their best players all complement each other. Tiago mm-hmm. Amada... Yorgo's Yakimakis is the perfect center forward for this group. John De Silva and Sabalobo Janitse make a ton of sense on either wing around centering around Amada. Trissom Yumba and Bartosz Slees are two real life adult professional central midfielders that they haven't had in four years. Right. Like this team really doesn't have many holes like you could poke at if either Gregerson's not great. Or and then the whoever the starting center back is next to him, right? Maybe Josh Cohen isn't like I'd be shocked if he's not really good, but like right, those are just little things. Everything else is lined up for this team.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. The bar for Slish is better than Mateus Issatsu. That's it, it's it could not be lower. <laughs> it could not be lower. Uh, but it's, it's I mean, obviously you talk about the track record with Garth. Or there's a ton of proof of concept. You kind of have to think these guys are gonna be good. But you're right. There's the big question around. Tiago. But then again, it feels like we've been talking about this question and we've had you on to talk about this question for probably like four windows now. It's just been there. It's just been there. And you started to wonder like, okay, there's this limited subset of teams that can actually hit that $25 million or whatever threshold they're trying to get. Is it going to happen? I'm kind of convinced it's not at this point until maybe further down the line, maybe after Olympics or something like that.
4: Yeah, I mean the problem is is that look, Atlanta's stance again. I, I feel like I'm just stale stale things, just repeating things that I've said on this particular show. I think mm-hmm. multiple times. Atlanta's stance remains that if he spends the next decade in Atlanta, that's the most optimal outcome. But they just understand that that's not realistic. Um, what's different about this summer is again the market should be more robust. Uh, FIFA Fair Play resets whatever in the year. Like I I don't. I'm not I'm not enough of a nerd to know all those legalities and everything. Mm. But from what people have told me, it makes more sense for that to happen in the summer than the winter, even more so than in the past. And also his contract is up. I believe the summer will be 18 months before that expires. Mm. If they do not sell him in the summer, they are not getting anywhere near what they want from if they wait till the winter. And that puts you much closer to Tiago just saying, screw it. I could just see out my contract and then go sign for out on a free somewhere else, and instead of them paying a twenty five million dollar transfer fee for me, they'll give me a twelve and a half million dollar signing bonus on top of my salary, and I get to pick where I go, right? Like so I think that's in play if you get past this summer without a deal. um, but again, that being said, I think that there's just too much interest in Almada and just it would, i like I think Atlanta would be reasonable, but now again, if they hold out for forty million, right? like and it's not, I just don't really think it's going to happen. Right. But I I don't I don't envision that happening because, again, like money doesn't mean much to ownership. Of course, like they're they've got plenty of it. But, you know, they, they, they definitely don't want to let him go for free. So that's why I think it makes more sense this summer than ever before. But again, this sounds like the same dumb things I've said on this podcast <laughs> before. So what the hell do I know?
1: We're here. We, we we love the dumb things. That's why we have you here, bud. Um there there were rumors this winter, though. It, it did seem like maybe uh, we were trending towards a world where Almada wasn't with the team at the start of the year. And I kind of wanted to, to get your feeling on those. I mean, the, the obvious one was um, Atletico Madrid coming in and, and then maybe switching for, for someone like Moise Keane or something like that. Did that ha- carry any water for you when you were looking at it? Or are you like,
4: this is an agent pushing? What was it? No, I, I bet it was real, but... It it was like one of the like you can t- it wasn't like hey this team put a bid in it was mm. hey if they sell this player for this amount of money then they might take this amount of money and bring it it was just like too many moving parts or too many like again plausible I don't mm. doubt that it's real I don't doubt that they were interested um, but there was several steps and the yeah moving to Saudi and that uh, the the last I saw of that was when it was like if they sell them to Saudi they they'll they'll maybe they'll go for Almada. And then I don't think I remember seeing any updates.
1: Yeah, no, it dissipated pretty quickly after that. Uh, But he's here for now. Atlanta looks good. Maybe the other big obstacle here is just the fact that the East is kind of stacked. All right, Joe Patrick, we don't want to do it, but like the people demand we do it. Put our lives on the line for content's sake. We're going to make some predictions here. Okay, we have a few. Oh, thank God. I thought it was going to be way worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, that's terrifying. I mean, getting memed on the internet for, for like someone who straddles that millennial Gen Z line, there's nothing right. worse, Joe Patrick, nothing worse, but <laughs> right. yeah. I'm recovering. I'm all right. It's going to be okay. Uh, I'll just ignore any feedback we get. We have a few kind of over-unders, a few questions here, and we're going to write these out as well for our big preview on 5 but we figured we'd address them in audio form too. We'll start with this. We'll start with our breakout player who takes a big step forward in 2024. Kind of the criteria here is someone who is already on the team and really kind of gets maybe a more pronounced role, maybe catches some eyes more often. Uh, The thing about this one is there's not a whole lot of space for younger or newer players to really make their mark. Uh, So you got to be a bit particular about it. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah. Um, so in that vein, I'm going with actually a a pretty young player and, and therefore I think that this prediction could very well be wrong, but, uh, I'm going with Jay fortune. I think that he got some opportunities toward the end of last season to play, um, earned his way in over some more experienced players. Like, uh, for example, like an Amar Sadich was left on the bench for Jay fortune. I like what he brings like tools wise. I think that he's, uh, pretty technical players, got good mobility around the field. And you know because he clearly did, I think, earn Gonzalo Pineda's trust in some of those moments where he was able to, to play last year, um, I think that he's going to continue to get more opportunities to go out there and just prove himself. I think that's the biggest question mark with a lot of young players is are they actually going to get the opportunities? And um, I think Fortune will. And this is me saying that he's going to break out not to, like, again, be a uh, pessimist here, but I, I do think that there will be some sort of injury or some sort of absence to, you know, a key player in one of these midfield spots. Uh, could be Almada and you play Miyumba in a more forward role. It could be Miyumba, Could be even Shalish. Who knows? But I think that there will be an opportunity for Jay Fortune to uh, not establish himself as like a bona fide starter this year, but I think really elevate himself in terms of how people think about him.
1: Okay. You opened up a whole other topic but we've got to touch on it uh if tiago amada is not around right something we've kind of been focusing on in preseason is who might kind of take his place if he is gone to another competition or maybe just resting uh, injured whatever who is kind of the backup number 10 we do have to address that because it kind of feeds into a potential answer here and i'm kind of surprised neither of us picked it but nick Firmino could very well be set for Ooh, some kind yeah. of breakout season he has been taking on the 10 role in preseason we've seen him already score for atlanta united in very 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 limited minutes but a a really smart goal that he scored i believe i I think it was against oh new england maybe i can't remember um nope not New England. can't remember i'll figure it out later but he scored and it was really really well done uh he's looked really sharp in preseason as well Uh, maybe not perfect right Mm -hmm. he's still you know player kind of finding his way in professional soccer but he, he scored uh he Looked effective. He looked active. And, you know, maybe that's all Atlanta United really needs him to be while he's replacing Tiago Alamada. Uh, that could be an option. That could also put Derek etsy in there. They've tried that out a little bit in preseason. Derek is currently injured, though. So there's been a setback on that. It's just something to keep an eye out. But maybe it is Nick Firmino. That's not my pick, but maybe it is. <laughs> Who is your pick, Sam? My pick is Noah Cobb and that is obviously like love this pick it's not it's kind of like yours like okay well they only really get in if so and so gets hurt and so and so gets hurt and everything like that but Cobb had an outstanding preseason he is fourth on the depth chart at this point he is a baby child in center back years especially he is a he's a toddler learning how to walk he is all of 18 years old at this point I believe and in center back years that's that's nothing but uh his Frame his physical skill set, uh, his mentality. From everyone I've talked to at the academy level, uh, appears to be fantastic. He is just one of those players who seems like he is built for something pretty big you know and even Carlos Bocanegra said when they first announced that homegrown deal Carlos Bocanegra's quote was this is a kid that's destined for the US national team yeah. and that was probably a mistake on Carlos's part because now the expectations right, right. are probably way too high right. uh, but right. he, he can absolutely be an effective MLS player at this point, and we, we got to see him a couple of times last year. That did not go well because of many different things, including playing Franco Abarro in, sing- in a single pivot against Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> go look up that score. Uh, but he is a, a well-rounded kid, and I am excited to see how he develops. And if he does get his opportunities this year, I think he will look – effective enough to make us think about what could be with him going forward, which is a, a player that really um, latches onto a starting role as he gets older. I mean, four years from now, he'll be 22, which is, you know, like kind of the age where center backs really start to maybe find themselves a little bit like think about mm-hmm. how old miles mm-hmm. was before he became miles. Right. It took a while. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What was Cob- it? Like 26? Is, uh, not
2: that old. Twenty five. No. Uh, no, he probably um, wasn't that old. 24, maybe.
1: Something like 23? that, right? Um, We can look this up later. This is great radio, but uh, Cobb has so many years to develop and he's already at a place where a lot of center backs aren't. Yeah. That's my pick. Yeah.
2: And I don't want to be too harsh on Carlos for what he said about Noah because (laughs) um, I, I feel like uh, I'm glad that he said it because I, I, to me it shows that that's actually what he thinks (laughs) about Noah Cobb. And I think that it's important for people to, to know that that's, that is how highly the club thinks about, his potential i think it's our responsibility as media members to to kind of say listen that may that can that can very well be true and it's true that he's like not going to be the biggest contributor you know, right now or last season mm-hmm. at least. And, you know, maybe he can like slowly grow more into that this year. But, um, but I think it's worth, I, I think it's, I think it's worth reflecting on that quote as, you know, maybe it wasn't the you know, wisest thing to just put out there, <laughs> but I am glad that he said it.
1: Well, I mean, like the bottom line is, it doesn't matter what our opinion is because it was said by U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, Carlos Bocanegra, yeah. you yeah. know, like well, mean, that's right. that's yeah. a hell of an endorsement no matter whether yeah. he's the the gm of the club noah plays for or not you know yeah a hell of an endorsement yeah. so hopefully we start yeah. to see him get a little more time uh it could very well happen this year it could not uh but it is plausible joe let's talk about some folks we're definitely going to see a whole lot of time from who is your predicted 2024 mvp
2: you know, for me, uh, it's Tiago Almada, And, um, you know, there's, I think there's one thing that stops Almada from being this guy. And uh, that go, is... Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, it's Carlos Bocanegra (laughs) from, uh, you know, if he decides to move him. Uh, But yeah, I mean, listen, like I just it's boring. It's a boring pick because we all know the kind of talent that he has. But, you know, the game really does flow through him. And I just think it is. I always go back to this, but it's always just so evident whenever he's not playing for this team because it's different. You know, the way that they play is different. The results they get are different. Um, Just he accentuates, I think, every single other attacking piece that this team has.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's probably the correct pick. All of it hinges on whether or not he hangs around this summer. We have uh, a quick thing about that coming up, uh, but I'll, I'll go just to to vary it up a little bit. I'll take another big risk and go go Gigi. Um, I think I think I have him winning the Golden Boot. I do not have him winning the League MVP. That I have him winning the League MVP. Damn, um, came,
2: came damn close last year
1: yeah no, goal
2: scoring rate last year
1: by a significant I margin. Yeah. I, I think yeah. maybe like Duncan McGuire was close or something like that, but Duncan and McGuire he, performed, he took no performed his XG by like a crazy amount, to be totally honest. So yeah. Um, yeah, no penalties. He was not healthy all the time. He said this year, right on the first day of preseason, that he rethought how he approached his physical fitness. And staying healthy and kind of reworked a plan this year. He also got a break for the first time in like 18 months. He got to just kind of yeah. enjoy the offseason. He got married. He got to relax a little bit. Um, hopefully, he is able to stay on the field consistently. Because, again, the rule with Gigi is if he is on the field for 90 minutes, he's going to get one goal. That's just mm-hmm. the law at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And it's very likely that he, he is near the top of the golden boot race for the entire year because of that.
2: Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I totally agree. And the other great thing about Gigi, and I, you know, it's kind of contradicts what I said about Omada, but like he, um, it just feels he he can feel like, feels like he can create a goal just through some sheer mm-hmm. force or sheer force of will. You know, like he's going to. Muscle in some header off a corner that was some BS or something. You know, it's just like yeah, you, you, totally. when you have a player like him, you always have a chance to at least score.
1: And just think about the folks around him as well. You have Tiago Almada who had, you know, a ton of assists last year. You have Saba who's expected assist numbers for wingers were were phenomenal. Like ninth, 97th percentile kind of stuff. Wow. Even Shonda is year? able to. to yeah. Mm-hmm. A limited minutes, right? Like six hundred minutes, but yeah but yeah, sure. real, really, really impressive. Um you have Brooks delivering crosses, you know. You, you have even um on the left side, you have Shonda and, and Kayla providing um some help as well. So I there's every opportunity in the world for for Gigi to hopefully have a lot of chances come his way. Um the only thing that probably stops him from winning the golden boot is either Lionel Messi or Denny Bowanga, but if you're in that company, that's a really yeah, great company, right. you know. So, interested to see what he does this year. Interested to see what the attack does as a whole. I think based on what I just said, you can guess what my answer is going to be for this. But Joe Patrick does 2024 Atlanta United outscore 2023 Atlanta. Keep in mind, they scored 66 goals. They overperformed their underlying numbers by a relatively significant amount. Uh, But the over-under here is 66 and a half goals. What are you taking? Uh,
2: 66 and a half. So, I'm taking the under... And it's not that I don't think that it can happen. To me, it just seems like if you're going to run this simulation a thousand times, it just feels like for various reasons, again, random reasons like injuries or something, That it would just fall under that particular number more often than not, and that doesn't necessarily mean I think the team is going to be worse. In fact, I think the team is going to be better than they were last year. Um, But I think that you know there could be you know also like a a, you know bit of a renewed emphasis on being solid, kind of like what we saw in 2019 with Frank DeBoer. I don't think it will kind of be to that extent. uh, So I don't want people to kind of freak out when I say that. But um, just for those kinds of reasons, I I would tend to go the under on this one.
1: It's completely fair and. I want folks to keep in mind too that it would be like something, it would be close to a record for Atlanta United. The 2017 yeah, team and 2018 teams yeah. scored 70, scored 70, so we're right on the edge of a record for Atlanta United compared to two very, very good teams who also overperformed their underlying numbers by a significant amount, that 2017 <laughs> team especially. Uh, it's not quite our MLS record, that belongs to 2019 LAFC in case you're wondering. They scored 85 dang times that season. They were real good. I, I don't think this attack year? is quite at that, that level. What, 2019. What year was that? 2019. 2019. Yeah, this was the year Carlos Vela uh, scored 34 goals and had 15. Uh, assists. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Good team. Good soccer team. Not MLS camp champions, though. Bummer. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to go over just, I'm just going to do it just because everything I've said so far has been super optimistic and I have to kind of keep some continuity across my predictions. Otherwise, why even make. The predictions. Uh, Joe, let's talk about defense. I have over under 53 and a half goals allowed. Does 2024 Atlanta United allow fewer goals than 2023 Atlanta? Joe, you said they're going to be more cautious. I got to think of going under.
2: I'm going under. I'm going under. I don't really have anything else to say about it, too, other than, you know, that I could repeat things we've already said. But I just think that this team will just be... More solid defensively. They're just, they're just, you know, honestly, like this team would have been under this number last year if they, you know, concede just a few less of these like
1: really bad goals that yeah. they
2: that they conceded. So I think they're going to cut a lot of that out and that will at least get them under this number.
1: I'm also going to go under. But like that puts their goal differential. At like we're we're nearing some absurd <laughs> territories here. <laughs> I want to say the 2018 team was like plus 30 or something, like 70 -hmm. 70 and 40, but I need to double check on that. But either way, we're we're nearing a level where it's like, okay, Atlanta is competing for the Supporters' Shield based on their goal differential alone. But you know what? That's consistent with everything I've said so far, Uh, so I'm going to stick to it, even though it sounds crazy uh, to say out loud. It's Joe tough Patrick. because
2: of what you know. What we talked about with all these uh, you know, the opponents that they're going to be facing, like it's going to be quality opposition too. So um,
1: that's the biggest reason to hesitate for sure. Right, right. They got They essentially have a playoff game every week almost in the East. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, Joe Patrick over under zero point five. Land the Donovan MLS MVP awards for Atlanta United. Does an Atlanta United player win MVP this year?
2: I just said no because, again, like... You just want to take the field, math. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'll take the field. I'll I'll take the field. I think I get have pretty good odds that way. So, not saying, like, again, there are definitely players on this team who could win it. Maybe multiple players, honestly.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I do want to change it up, though. Let me, let me throw this out here because this is a thought I had uh, literally today. Over under 0.5 defenders. Of the year for l a United is Steon in that conversation? Because I he's kind of think that his that makeup could totally put him there.
2: Yeah, yeah, he should be. He's he t- he totally is in that conversation. So is Miles Robinson, by the way. But yeah. um, yeah, I think again that, that one's maybe even harder for, to predict than like an <laughs> offensive player but uh right well, we'll keep yeah, in mind. Normally like... would our uh our defend our defenders uh like like fullbacks or would lennon and wiley be um not like nominated I mean, they for that award, count, the but like the way
1: people vote for this thing is like who is the tallest okay. guy we can pick and it's normally <laughs> right, that guy yeah, yeah. and steon's <laughs> right. got a great shot at that you Just know? to have
2: good diversity like yeah, yeah <laughs> we gotta get the talls in
1: Exactly um it's plausible I think that's totally within the realm especially if Atlanta does finish with that under that we talked about for goals allowed and if they're finishing near the top of the east something to keep in mind um over under two mm-hmm. and a half all stars for Atlanta United I think Gigi and Tiago are Givens does one more player get in I think yes
2: yeah I said I said over and I think this could go over three you know like I, yeah, I think amazing. Yeah, Tiago, Gigi, and then take your pick of Moyumba, Wiley, and Lennon. I think all three of those mm-hmm. guys could very well make the All Star
1: team. Even Stam. and that's even not even Schliech. Yep. Like Schliech, right. could, yeah. too. Yeah.
2: You know, who knows? Well, totally, Gregerson. Right. We, he could win a Defender of the Year. Yeah, it's a so talented. A ro- it's a talented roster. It's a talented starting eleven. Again, <laughs> yeah, it's Matt worth underscoring that this is his... the best starting eleven this team has had in years.
1: Yeah, Matt Doyle in his kind of tears of MLS column today. I said Atlanta United has the second most talent in the league. That's just behind Miami at this point. And I, I wow. think I largely agree wow. with that. I think I agree with yeah. it for sure. Um, let's see here. It would help if they could keep Tiago Almada around though. Over yes. under 0.5 new DP signings for Atlanta. Obviously, the over here means that Tiago Almada is studying abroad by the end of the summer. Uh, what are we thinking on that, Joe Patrick?
2: I said, I said over... Um, I don't feel great about it, yeah. but I just do feel like the, t- the clock is kind of ticking on his contract. Um, yeah, I don't, I, again, I, I, I feel I, I, you know, if you would have asked me leading into this off season, is he going to go this the soft season? I would have said yes.
1: Oh, we didn't have been we surprised he went that. during the season. We asked yeah, you that a yeah, bunch yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah. all said, yeah, so, of course he's gone.
2: So I think a lot of his quality, I'm like shocked that he's still here and that there haven't been more bids come in for him. And maybe that's something I should, you know, take a harder look at as to why that hasn't happened. But um, yeah, so I'm going to say yes.
1: There were a few rumors this offseason. You probably saw something about Atletico Madrid coming in that was dependent on a player moving to Saudi Arabia and dependent on potentially like Moise Kean not coming. There were a whole lot of moving parts to that. Um, I talked about this with Tom, by the way, on fivestrikefinal.com, but um, there was a quick like, late rumor for Fiorentina coming in, uh, which kind of made some sense. They have an American owner who was rich but also insane, Uh, so I'm kind of glad he didn't go into that situation. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of the thing. They have to find the right situation for Tiago, and they have to find a team who has $25 million laying around for a player that has clear physical limitations at that level. You know, Um, it's a tough ask. It's a tough fit. And I just at the point where I keep expecting it to happen and it doesn't. So now I'm swinging back the other way and just saying, well, you know, I think he's probably here for the entire season because it just hasn't happened yet when we keep expecting it to happen. So I I don't know if that's actually the smart take. The smart take is that he's gone. The smart take is he's gone. But the gut based take is that he's still here.
2: I think um I think we we are now at the point where Atlanta United is starting to become like incentivized to move him at least I should say this at least if their primary goal is a transfer fee like if they don't prioritize a transfer fee it's honestly, honestly probably better for the club's results on the field like it's better for Atlanta United um to Keep his quality, but um, h- how much time does he have left on his contract before his option year? I don't, I don't know, but I think we're starting to get into that territory where um,
1: I believe he's here. You're for going next to be for sure,
2: yeah. On yeah his contract, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, like, but most transfers happen with like two years remaining, you know, so before yeah. those deals start to become cheaper, uh, because of the threat of him it, going for free. So
1: it's it's not only that. Which is a great point. I think it's an extremely reasonable point that you made, Joe Patrick, and it's something that I should consider more when I'm talking about it. But the other thing to consider with that, too, is that it's going to be easier to replace him in the summer as well. So if Atlanta has their like their backup plan ready to go, and they know who it is, and they want to bring them in, and it's this summer they need to get them in, then maybe the price comes down for Tiago. Maybe they're ready mm-hmm. to go ahead and make that move. I'm sure they're keeping an eye on a lot of things, but you know, right now they'll they'll keep saying it. Garth will keep saying it. Carlos will keep saying it. If Tiago wants to be here for the next ten years, he could be here for the next ten years. They have the space carved out in their roster. They have set up the roster to make sure they have the flexibility to keep him around. And you know, whether or not you really buy into that, I don't think necessarily they buy into that. But they won't be pressed if he does right. stay around. And it's it's right. totally possible. Mm-hmm. Like way more possible than we really considered. I told Tom I would see him in like six <laughs> months just to keep asking him, "Hey man, what's what are you hearing about Talgo?" Right, i gonna right, be like the same yeah, thing, right. and we'll do it again six months <laughs> yeah. later. It's gonna be a great show. Yep, panel dot com.
2: Totally.
1: Joe Patrick, does Atlanta United reach their goal? Do they finish in a home playoff spot?
2: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um... Yep. Agreed. Is there any other detail? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I do. I think, the I think that they're just better out. set up. I think honestly, so I, I honestly even look at a team like Miami and think that they're actually not best set up for like a top finish in the standings. I think they're set up to potentially make a run in MLS cup and win that if they're healthy and things are kind of fall right for them. But when you look at the construct of how the roster is put together, I would take a lane United over them.
1: Yeah, this is what I did for my MLSSoccer.com predictions. I had Inter-Miami 5th, and then I had Inter-Miami winning MLS Cup. It's a team yeah, that's yeah. really just built for that. you know. And I think they're going to yeah. focus on those kind of competitions where they go deep into to Leaks Cup. They go deep into the, CONCACAF. They go deep into whatever else they're in, uh, but probably aren't necessarily built, uh, especially with the injuries and the pieces they've had to ship off just to be roster compliant. Probably aren't built necessarily for uh, a 34 game. MLS season to keep racking up points and compete with a very, very good conference. So there you go. I think Atlanta will finish ahead of Inter-Miami in the standings. I think that's enough for top four. Uh, Are they going to finish first like I kind of predicted? Eh, Probably not, but there's a possibility. (laughs) All right, Joe Patrick, we got a couple more here. I, I want you to predict something wild. Give me something off the wall. Not something you necessarily believe will happen, but something that could happen.
2: Yeah, I'll say uh, Caleb Wiley is Atlanta United's fifth leading scorer. Exactly fifth. (laughs) What? And I'll give you the other four. Behind Gigi, Almada. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind Gigi, Almada, uh, Jande, and Saba. And then I think Caleb Wiley is next. Is that is that bold? I don't know if it is. Or I don't not.
1: know how bold that actually is, but it does make. a Let's lot say sense. let's say
2: fourth. Let's say fourth. Let's say I, let's say I think Caleb Wiley scores more goals than l- more. Hmm. Do I actually believe this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he scores more than Saba. More goals scored than Saba.
1: I think the way Atlanta United is kind of focusing on build up and everything like that, that, that Caleb will get forward enough to make that happen. Uh, but I do think that Saba will have. I think Saba will be behind um, Shonda and goals scored. I do think Saba will be kind of right near Tiago in total number of assists. His expected assist numbers were awesome last year. Um, So that's really interesting to me. I guess this is,
2: yeah, I think this is kind of more of a Saba prediction that he's going to be actually like surprisingly lower in terms of goal of goal scorer than people would think. But I think he will be a very high assister on this team.
1: Completely agree. Completely agree. (laughs) I'm going to go on a big limb here. I'm going to say Dex McCarty scores twice. Two whole times, Greg Patrick. Let me tell you why that's a big-time prediction. Uh, Dax okay. McCarty uh, has not scored more than one goal uh, since the 2017 season, I believe, with Chicago. It uh, just hasn't happened. He's scored zero goals four times. He scored one goal three times. I think he's going to score twice this year. Why is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to happen. I feel, actually, I feel actually really confident about this one. It just is. Okay. It just is.
2: I have another. I, I have another... Take that! I'm that I'm just coming up with off the dome. Steen Gregerson scores more goals than any center back in Atlanta United history, which I don't even know what that number is. It would probably would be Juanjo Parata. I'm imagining.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. I think he had like six. Or but something I think back here. I think he could. He I think he could trick.
2: definitely be like a set piece menace because he's so big. Can't teach that. So there you go. That's right.
1: Joe Patrick, give me your key kind of hinge point for Atlanta United. Atlanta wins a trophy if...
2: Josh Cohen is a top 10 goalkeeper in the goals minus expected goals category. If he does that, then I think... uh, I guess it doesn't guarantee any sort of trophy, but um, at least we know that this team is going to be very, very good. Probably, maybe winning the Sports Shield. Well, no, it's tough because they're in the East. Because I was thinking, I think they probably come first in the the Eastern Conference if he does that.
1: I think that's fair. um, I think that's that's a huge step forward from where they were last year. You know, which was the third worst, I believe, in post-shot XG uh, among Mm -hmm. goalkeeping or among any team in MLS, you know, um, that's a huge mm. step forward for this team. And, you know, it probably helps them stay ahead in a few games that they wouldn't have stayed ahead in and everything like that. This points that up. So, you know, if Cohen,
2: how many times is it? How many times that Laney had a goalkeeper that's top 10 in that category? I don't know. Brad Maybe has done Guzan it. And did it in twenty twenty one. I think
1: he had, he had a couple of really good years. And the majority of the his years, he has been, um, below average in that statistic among starting keepers. <laughs> Um, so he,
2: I, f- I forgot that yeah. me saying, when is it Lenny and I had a goalkeeper that, and it's just, it's, Bragg it's just is the only yeah. option. Is it-
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Alec Khan might've been actually near oh, that. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's yeah, true. I, I kind of wonder, I'll have to go back and look at that. Um, but yeah, no, What's a, few, a few more stops here and there. Pretty big deal. Mine was, and I'm trying to remember it now, so I'm going to stall just a little bit. Oh, mine was if Bartos, uh, slish is, is a dude, if he's the guy we think he can be, then everything hinges on him. And I've kind of been over why I think that already, but I'm just going to reiterate it. I think everything depends on Bartok. Okay, cool. Love it. Cool. All right, Joe Patrick, we're going to move this over to 5stripefinal.com. You guys can catch the rest of it there. We're going to move right into our QA. Of course, you can ask us questions. All you have to do is join us at 5stripefinal.com and then you get a free invite to our Discord channel the world famous five-shot final discord you can ask us questions there uh for all of our shows going forward and that's where you can catch the latter half of our preview we'll see you all over there right now better come over there